uh, a lot of problems there. But it doesn't matter because it's not who Moses was, it's who God is. It's not who I am, it's who God is. It's not what this church is, it's who God is. It's the most important thing. God has a ministry, and all his children uh, need to understand their part in it, that we need to be letting him move through our lives in order to do the, his will. And Moses was a great servant of God. He was used by God in mighty ways. Um, he led his children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. He was given the law by Moses on the mountain. He built the tabernacle using the uh, specific plans that God gave him. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. And he is a type of Christ, the deliverer. So our first sermon in the series is titled, Prepared by God. So let's look at Moses' birth. Let's read Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And the Bible says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took, a, took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not, could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, brink. And his sister stood afar off, to wit that uh, would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river's side. And then she saw the ark among the flags, and she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then she then said uh, his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee uh, a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the, mother, the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and, said, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, your, the precious word of God. We thank you, Father, for our church. We thank you that you've called us to be servants. We're your children, Father. We're bound for glory. But while we're here, Father, we're to work for you. And help us to understand, Father, it's not who we are. It's not what we know or what we can do. It's not our abilities. All you will want is our willingness to uh, allow you to work in our hearts, to submit to your will, to your leadership, and to be what you've called us to be. Father, help us to understand that there's work to be done. And we're the ones to do it. Because we belong to you. We're citizens of heaven. We're working for the kingdom of God. So help us as a, as a, as a person, as a church, to understand our responsibility to work for you, to be your servant. 
Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's first look for a little context here. Jacob is his, is his, and the, his descendants had moved to Egypt to escape from a famine. Jacob's son, Joseph, had become second in command over all of Egypt under Pharaoh. And the children of Israel were uh, there 430 years until God sent Moses. And God was faithful to the covenant he made to, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They prospered. They multiplied greatly. And we look back in Exodus chapter 1, starting in verse 6, we see, And Joseph died, and all the, his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. I love that. What did God promised Abraham and, and Jacob and Isaac? He promised them that your descendants would be like the sand. Can't even number them. Like the stars in heaven. And now we see that, that prophecy, uh, that, that promise, that covenant being fulfilled. The land was filled with Israelites. Verse 8 says, And now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said to the, his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Least they might multiply, and it come to pass that when there followeth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they and they built city. They built for Pharaoh treasured cities. Um, Python and Ramses. And the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. They had a problem, didn't they? They got these children of Israel and they used them for slaves to build their cities. And they afflicted them. They punished them. They worked them nearly to death. And what happened? They prospered. They multiplied. Why? Because they belonged to God. And the new Pharaoh feared the Israelites. He was afraid that once they were attacked by one of their enemies, that these slaves would join with their enemies, and then they'd be defeated. So he enslaved them and put a great burden on them. And Pharaoh commanded that the midwives to kill the male babies. But the midwives feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And God's people continued to grow, and Pharaoh, so Pharaoh called on all his people to take the male Hebrew boys and throw them in the river. He knew his own people wouldn't deny his order. So God began to prepare his servant Moses so that he could deliver his people out of captivity and to the land of promise. So, as we look at, uh, at, at uh, Moses' life, the first thing we see is God's protection. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. It says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took a wife, a daughter of Levi, the woman uh, conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was goodly child, she hid him three months. Moses was born under a death sentence, like I was telling the kids. If any Egyptian saw this baby, this boy, they would have to kill him, to throw him in the river. And Moses' mother hid him for three months. You ladies, how hard could that be? You're a slave. You're forced to work for the Egyptians, and now you have to hide your son from them. 
can't imagine how difficult that was for her. One woman, a slave, weak and perilous, and she stood against the powerful Pharaoh and his orders. It is the weakness, it is in the weakness that God reveals his strength. Sometimes we think we've got to be strong and we've got to be tough and we've got to be powerful. No, it's in the weakness, it's in the moments when we can't figure out how to do things, when we can't figure out how, how to move forward, when we're so petrified with fear, when we're so doubting of ourselves, and we're in a position where we don't know what to do, we're at our strongest because we rely upon the Almighty God. He doesn't want anybody to look at us and say, well, I don't know why Brad's succeeding for because he's powerful. They won't look at me and say, well, I don't know how he's succeeding. It's got to be God. Amen? That's what he wants. It's in our weakness. Hebrews eleven twenty three says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months from his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. How wonderful is that? She's a slave. They're over her. She's not afraid of him. Why? Because she fears God more than them. She knew her son was special. She'd already had other children, Aaron and Miriam. But they were not afraid of Pharaoh. And this is only possible when we put our faith in God. Whatever you're fearing today, whatever's in the back of your mind that's giving you trouble, keeps you up at night, keeps you from sleeping, give it to God because he's more powerful than whatever it is. We can replace fear with faith. And that's what she did. God's not looking for strong people. He's looking for people to stand in the gap. That's all he wants. He wants his people to stand in the gap. Moses' mother was a good example for him. Moses will stand between Pharaoh and God's people soon. I want you to think about your witness for him. God has called you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to stand in the gap. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, the Bible says, And I saw for a man among them, that would make up out of the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the, for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. God was telling the people, said, I'm looking for one person, one person to stand guard, to keep watch, to stand in that gap, to see if the enemy comes over the wall so he can notify everybody else. I'm looking for one person to stand in the gap. God's looking for someone to intercede on behalf of the people to stand in the gap. Church, that's what he's called us to do. We stand between the lost and hell. I want you to understand that. We stand between the lost and hell. Not that we can save them. Not that we can change their direction. But we can point them to where they need to go. We say, you're headed here, but you can go there through Jesus Christ. He's looking for somebody to stand in the gap. I think it was uh, Moody who said, I would rather have... A church, I'd rather have a, a, a one-room church at the gates of hell than I would have a, a beautiful, giant church on a mountaintop. He said, I want to be right there, right at the last moment, trying to point them in a different direction. God wants us to stand in the gap, to warn, to plead, to, uh, uh, to pray, to witness. We were talking in our Sunday school class, and, and God said, Jesus said, I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking on the door if someone would just answer. It's a beautiful picture that Jesus is sitting there knocking, pleading, open the door. He'll not open that door to someone's heart. 
He won't barge in on you, but he's knocking saying, please let me in. Please, I, got, I got hope, I got peace, I got love, I got eternal life. Let me in. Please let me in. Church, we're to be pleading, standing in the gap. That's his plan for us. That's, that's, his, that's his purpose for us. To lead people to Christ and away from hell. Second, we see God's plan. Look at verses 3 through 6. And when she could not hide him any longer, she took to him, uh, for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Brink. And his sister stood far off and too wet um, uh, what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and the maidens walked along the river uh, side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. This was God's plan, a way to save Moses. It had to be God's plan because it doesn't make any sense, does it? Pharaoh said, kill all the young boys. And now she's going to put the baby in the river, in a basket, waterproof, but right there where Pharaoh's daughter could see. How do they know Pharaoh's daughter's not going to take one look at that baby and say, that's a Hebrew boy, kill it? And they would have to do it because she commanded it. She's Pharaoh's daughter. I don't understand why this was such a good idea for them, why they thought this was such a good plan. How many times in our life have we tried to figure out the best way to do something? We try to figure out our own plan, what makes sense to us, and nothing works. And we fail because we're doing it our way. But God always has the answer, even when it doesn't make sense to us. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I can look back in my life and think about how God worked things out, and I couldn't figure out how in the world it was ever going to work. But it worked out His way. Why? Because in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, my thoughts, than your thoughts. How many times we try to figure out things and make things sound logical in our own mind when we don't need to do that because God's mind is higher than ours. God's plan for our life is not to figure out the best way. It is simply to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lead not on thine own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. There had to be someone in the house that said, are you crazy? Are you, are you, going, are you going to get the baby there where Pharaoh's daughter can see it? I don't even see how it's going to work. She's going to kill, she's going to kill him. I'm amazed how God has worked out things in the details of my life. And as you look back in hindsight 2020, but you can look back and you see God's handiwork in every blessing. And the older we get, the more set in our ways we become. But God doesn't change. You're still his servant. And he is still using you to accomplish his will. He still has a plan for your life. Just like those kids, he has a plan for your life too. And that plan starts out when you walk by faith, trusting and obeying. God knows details you can't see. God knew Pharaoh's daughter's heart. He knew that she would show compassion for the baby and not kill it. And as his servants, do you trust God with the details of your life? 
Moses' mother did. She trusted God. Sometimes I wonder, church, if we're not in the position we are because we're not trusting God for the details. We're too busy trying to figure things out ourselves, trying to work things out in a way that makes sense to us. And that'll never be pleasing to God. God didn't call you for you to do things your way. God called you that you would submit to his will and his leadership and his guidance. And even though it doesn't make any sense to you, trust in him knowing he's going to work it out anyway. And finally, we see God's sovereign provision. Look at verses 7 through 10 again. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call uh, to thee a nurse of the, Hebrew women, of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said, Go. Um, and the maiden went and called the, the mother's child. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew. And she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. <laughs> it was a crazy plan. I couldn't see how it was going to work out. They probably didn't even know it was going to work out either. But Moses is saved. His mother gets paid for taking care of her own son. How many mothers would like to have that deal? He gets, she gets paid to take care of her own son. And then Moses becomes protected for his whole life because he becomes part of Pharaoh's house. God's provision is always greater than we can imagine. God does more with our little than we could ever do on our own. Her son was saved, and he was going to be raised up an Egyptian. And this is important because God's plan is still in play. God is going to use Moses to lead his children from, from Egypt into the promised land. And so God was working out things that needed to be done that we can't even comprehend ourselves. Moses had to have the best of both worlds, didn't he? He needed to know the history of his people. He needed to know the relationship they had with God. He needed to know the promises that Abraham had for them, that they were going to have a promised land to go to. He needed to know all of that. But he also needed to have the best education available. And he got that being a part of uh, Pharaoh's house. Think about all the things that Moses had to do. Or he was going to do as he served God. He was going to stand and face Pharaoh. He had to be a leader of God's people. He had to be organized. Because he had to organize this large group of people. Packing up each day and moving through the wilderness. He had to be a judge to handle the disputes. He had to build a tabernacle according to God's specific instructions. He had to write the first five books of the Bible. God provided him all that he needed to accomplish everything on his list and more. Imagine what God's preparing you to accomplish with your life. Never think that you're unprepared to serve God because he does the preparation. God provides all that we need and everything to do his will. Every blessing, every trial, everything that you face in your life is God preparing you for something he wants you to do. And if you look back, you will see that all your life God has been preparing you to serve. God leads you to where he wants you to go. He puts you where you need to be. He shows you what he wants you to do, and then he gives you all the equipment you need to do it. 
He doesn't throw you out and say, go, try it, see what happens. He says, no, you're here. This is what I want you to do. This is how you're going to do it. I've laid it out for you. All you have to do is submit your will to mine and obey and do as I say, and God will receive the glory. But how many times do we get in our own way? Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, you have been called into liberty, only uh, use not liberty for the occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Too many times we get the blessings from God and, and we're moving where God wants us to be and suddenly we're, we realize we're free to do what we want to do and we use it for flesh or for self. And God says, don't take the liberty for that. I give you liberty to serve me, to do great and mighty things in my name if you do my will. Everything gives you what you need to serve, but you must use it for his glory, for his service, not for self. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into good works. You say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't have any idea what he expects from me. I don't know what he wants from my life. I understand he's working on me. I understand he saved me, but I don't know what he wants me to do. How many times do you pick this up through the week? How, much time, how many times are you reading this and praying and asking God to speak to you through his word? He says everything you need in here is for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and to righteousness so you can live for Jesus Christ. He gives you what you need. It's not his fault we don't pick it up and read it. It's not his fault we don't do what he tells us to do. It's not his fault that we don't pray enough. He has figured out what we need. He's given it to us. He's put us where we need to be. He put us around people we need to serve with. He made us a church, and he gave us this opportunity, this whole mission field outside these walls, and he says, go. Do what I've told you to do. I've given you the instructions. I've given you the Holy Spirit inside of you. I give you access to the throne of grace anytime you want to come pray. Now go and do my will. We study God's word because it gives us the instructions that we need to work for God. God takes away our excuses. We're good at making excuses, then, but he takes away all the excuses. And why we can't serve. But we must trust his work in us. His ability to change us in what he wants us to be. In our look at Moses' birth, we can see in our own life that God gives us the protection that we need. He gives us the plan he has for us. And he gives us his sovereign provision. You are here for a reason. God's called you for a purpose. Child of God, are you standing in the gap between the lost world and, and the Savior? Are you standing in the gap serving others the way God has called you to do? If you're here today and you're not a child of God, then you're in danger. And Jesus has a warning for you. God has a warning for you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you will not go to heaven without him. You need to have a relationship with the Savior. Without him, you have no righteousness. You have no ability to stand before God. You're not clothed in righteousness. You're still in your sin. And you can't do enough to cover your sin because God sees through that. But Jesus will wash your sin away and give you eternal life if you believe in him.
But church, we need to be serving others by leading them to Christ and by showing them the wonderful love that Christ showed us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Too often we look at the Word of God and we look at the people in here and we start thinking about, wow, how wonderful they were. How, what wonderful people they were to serve God the way they did. How, how, what a difference they made uh, by, by being the person that they were. Come back next Sunday and we'll talk about how, G, how Moses killed somebody. They were not perfect. They were people just like you and me. They had their own problems, their own doubts. They fought their own demons and their own battles. They struggled with different things and different parts of their life. And the only thing that makes them different is they gave their will to God and allowed God to use them in a great mighty way. Every preacher you've ever had, every preacher that's made a difference in your life that you've seen on TV or, 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 or Billy Graham or, or, or Sunday or Moody or Spurgeon, any preacher you've seen that had done great and mighty things, it wasn't because of them, because they were, they were uh, great men. It's because they were men who gave themselves to the Lord completely and fully, and God used them in great ways. God doesn't want you to be great. He wants you to be submissive to him. He doesn't want you to do great things. He wants to do great things through you. Covington needs Covington Baptist Church. But it needs it if we're submitted to him, willing to live for him and do his will, not our own, and submit ourselves to him. Father, we thank you for your precious word. Father, we thank you for the life of Moses in the Bible. And Father, we thank you that we see that He's not perfect. He had warts. He had problems. But Father, 